You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Welcome to The Magnet Theater Podcast. Yay! I am your host, Louis Cornfield. Today I'm speaking with the great Devin O'Neill. Thank you for being here, Devin. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. No, you're not. You're nervous. I'm nervous. See it in your eyes. <laughs> what are you nervous about? A, Pat May was know. also super nervous when he was here, too. I'm, I'm curious. What, 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 what is the worst case scenario that you're projecting? I don't know. I think my brain always uh, thinks faster than my mouth can yeah. catch up to. And so a lot of the times I feel like I end up just rambling on and oh, yeah. not making any sort of point. Yeah. And then telling four different stories about something that you didn't ask. Yeah. You, you, well, you know what I like about that? <laughs> At least two things. One, uh, um, it's nice to hear your stories. Yeah. So it's always, right? Like <laughs> stories are like, are, are like uh, uh, what we trade in with each other to, to, to bond with each other. You know, right. stories are the emotional glue that keep our brains in sync with each other. The other thing is like, I don't, this goes back to that idea of like, oh, don't be profound. Right. I don't quite trust it when people get right to their point sometimes. Right. There's something about, like, you didn't have to arrive at that point. You just, like, I don't know. It, like, there's something almost more fun in talking around and, and like, discovering your point rather mm-hmm. than having it predetermined. So, so babble away, baby. That's what I'm saying. Just, like, ramble <laughs> All right, on. I'm done. I'm just going to say random words. Well, no, don't do that. Oh. Have them make sense. Okay. I'll put them together. Before you speak, obviously. <laughs> I wanted to ask you a question because sure. you, you posted a quote on your magnet bio that I want to ask you about. You oh. posted your favorite quote, which is, don't cry, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. And you wrote that that's your favorite quote. Uh, 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 why is that your favorite quote? Um, my dad used to say it to me all the time because yeah. I'm like, I get very emotionally attached to things and like... I'm a very, I think I'm very passionate and like intense a lot of the time. So when I was a kid, when things would end like high school or middle school or college or like friendships or stuff, I think I would like flip, you know what I mean? I would just be like, this is the worst thing. Nothing's going to get better. And my dad would always be like the Dr. Zeus quote, you know, don't, don't cry because it happened. Smile. Oh wait, we don't. What is it? No, I can't remember. Okay, the official Us. quote. So I'm, I'm certain to believe it's not really your favorite quote. Don't cry because it's over. Smile, smile because, because it happened. happened. Yeah. It is my favorite quote, but sometimes I get like tongue-tied with it because it's like, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Anyway, yeah. yeah so my dad used to say that to me. He still says that to me all the time. Yeah. So then I put it in because I was like, I think that's a lot with improv. I think, you know, when you have a bad show or when you have a good show or like when you're in a director series and it's like really exciting and then the run ends and you're like, Oh, I just wish I could keep doing that. Yeah. It's like, well, at least you got to do it. Yeah. Well, that's a good quote. So it's a way of reframing your own particular emotional intensity yeah. and rechanneling that same intensity towards more positive or more productive ends. Exactly. That is a good quote. You're right. Yeah. It I is think. a good quote, yeah. right? I do like that quote a lot. I used to get really into quotes and then put a bunch of them on, but I always really like that one. We're rapidly evolving into a quote culture, aren't mm-hmm. we? We don't have the time to read through people's ideas. We just want the quotes. Right. What's the hashtag? What's, right. what's like the main thing? Well, there's that thing now where it's like they put like a picture of like uh, uh, like Mahatma Gandhi on like Facebook and then there's like an inspiring <laughs> quote but it turns it's like not Mahatma Gandhi it's just yeah. like you just like slap quotes on, on different right. <laughs> places. we're just hungry for quotes we're hungry yeah. for pithy wisdom right we're hungry for bumper stickers but I, I also dig quotes too yeah it's hard not to I think because they're like it's like I'm expressing myself someone else is saying exactly how I feel yes uh, which is kind of the greatest feeling in the mm-hmm. world. I, 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 you know, I, I, my, the, the, I had like an epiphany in, um, like high school. I had like an artistic epiphany, um, reading, um, uh, Paul and Kale, who was a, a movie critic for mm-hmm. the New Yorker. And it, 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 I don't remember what I was reading specifically, but it occurred to me that what she was saying were thoughts that I had had while I was watching this particular movie, mm-hmm. but then I immediately um, like looked past those thoughts. Yeah, and 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 so my epiphany was that when you're encountering like great writers or or great artists, they are uh, um, showing you or saying things to you things that you already knew but you didn't realize that you already knew. There's yeah. more of a thing of uncovering something that was always there rather than like teaching you something or educating you on something i don't know if that's true but that was that that was kind of like my guiding thing for a long time yeah i would agree with that i love watching um 
I love that's why I like improv so much. I think because I love watching like experiences or like situations that you know you've had yeah. on stage like play out, yeah. and then like hearing everybody laugh, and you're like, that was ridiculous yeah. and fun. Yeah, it yeah. Well, there's something like you in identifying yourself with other people, but there's also something in in like. Um. Oh my 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 mind is wandering. I can't concentrate on this topic. <laughs> is that healthy, or do I have a, an attention span problem? And then when you see somebody else yeah. addressed the same way that your mind wanders, you're like, oh, good. Yeah. It's not. It gives you like certain boundaries within which to better experience the working of your own mind and emotions, right. and, and and kind of um, it gives you a little bit of perspective. Yeah. To see other people reflect back stuff about you. It's very nice. I also think it's nice um, because it sort of makes you feel like you're not alone in a situation. Right. You know, and it's like, I think a lot of the times, like when you're growing up, you're like, I'm the only person experiencing this and this is terrible. And then you see someone else experience it and you're like, oh, okay, so it's not that bad and this does happen. And so I will get past this and move on. And yeah. Like that aspect of it too. I think, yeah, it, it, there, there is something about... Um, it makes you a little bit less afraid. It makes you a little bit less mm-hmm. less feeling like you're kind of in your own private darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, 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 there there are other people. That's a, always a nice. I don't know. It, yeah, no, there are other people. Well, I, this, I think about this a lot. I, I you have to take it on faith that there are other people. Now, this is if you think about this too much, you can completely lose your mind because mm-hmm. down these steps road. Lead nothing but like pure solipsism, right? But like, I take it on faith that there are other people outside of my experience. But I don't really know because everything in my experience is not strictly reality happening. It's my own brain's um, interaction with reality. It's what my brain picked out of that and then reassembled into some kind of meaningful experience for me to be having. So that means that you and Evan and Grant. And everybody else in this room and this table and everything exists only in the confines of my own mind. Yeah. But it also means that I only exist in the confines of your mind. Mm-hmm. And so there, I don't know if this is like really far out, you know, but like, <laughs> don't judge me is the point. <laughs> but there is kind of something where it's like you interact with other people as if they're really there. But on a certain, like, it's very easy to only be interacting with some other facet of your own ego through the guise of this other person and then when you have an experience where it's almost like you're being you're receiving a transmission from some other universe and you kind of realize of like oh no thank god there really is another person out there it's not all just my fantasy Um, i know that's a long length no it's actually really funny you uh said that because so um uh suli suleiman beg Mm -hmm. and me um and i uh are writing a web series together Mm -hmm. Um, we like just pitched it to my company to like sort of uh, help us produce because they have this whole program that they could give you money. But it's actually about um, uh, uh, like an older guy, like thirty six, not an older guy, like someone who's 36? like yeah, like That's two years older than me. <laughs> no, I don't Go mean older fuck guy. Yourself, Devin <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I just meant I don't know why I didn't mean an older, older guy. guy. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that's not what I meant. Holy cow! I'm sorry, that's not what I meant. Now I'm turning red. Now I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I just meant like I think because I'm doing in. It's not important. See what I'm talking about? This is my biggest fear, and it's coming. Let me tell you something about you, millennials. Okay, no, uh, I had nothing to say. Okay, I no, about millennials. no, but so it's about like a 36 year old who is just like living life, and then he uh, uh, meets the imaginary daughter. Uh, sorry, the imaginary daughter of his imaginary friend from mm-hmm. when he was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but you just reminded me because it's like, we sort of been playing with the idea of like, what is an imaginary friend and how, when you're like a kid, it's like really, you're like really creative and cool if you come up with an imaginary friend, but a uh, 36 year old man having an imaginary friend is like insane. Yeah. But also how, like, I think subconsciously we all don't want to be alone. And so like, why sort of did this imaginary friend come back? Right. And then, um, like the idea that she's in the form of like the daughter of his imaginary friend for when he was a kid to like have some sort of familiarity. Yeah. Anyway, you just reminded me of that because it is, I think, uh, I think our mind is such an interesting thing and sort of like to sit and think about it is very like insane. I bet a lot more people have imaginary friends as grownups than, than admit it. Oh, probably. 
I mean, you see, I, I, I'm like, I'm looking forward to the day when I give so little of a crap anymore about other people's opinions <laughs> that I just start talking to myself on the street and become one of those guys. I talk to myself on the street. Yeah. And, and like, well, what is that? If you're just like branching off and you're talking to a version of yourself, that's like your imaginary friend. Yeah. You see, you see people like on subways all the time who are like, are, are talking to themselves, but they, they don't, doesn't feel like they've gone down that path where they're like crazy yeah they're just kind of you just kind of get that sense of like oh they don't really care that i'm looking at them anymore they're right. just working out a problem and having a conversation yeah i feel like i end up like when you know i'm talking out something in my head and then every once in a while like two words will come out loud yeah. like well that's it oh i'm talking to myself you know yeah yeah and then but it is, i think like imaginary friends when you're a kid are like because you want someone to play with but i think as you get older it's like well i just want comfort or like someone to talk to yeah uh yeah totally you ever see Fiddler on the Roof? You're a musical theater uh, person. I love Fiddler on the Roof. So it's like Tevye's whole relationship with God in that yeah. show. God is just one vast imaginary friend. That's yeah. actually, I, I don't, I, I wasn't raised religiously, so I don't mm-hmm. know. I can't make a blanket statement about Judaism per se. <laughs> uh, although my my bastardized understanding of Judaism, it's one of the things that I kind of enjoy about it as a religion, is the relationship to God is one more of like you're kind of negotiating with yeah. God. Yeah it's a little bit more personal and a little bit more like, come on, reason with me here, God, which is just like, it's just a vast imaginary friend. It's an opportunity for you to voice what is in your mind, which is important. Uh, The older you get, that's also, it's very important. You have to give shape to those thoughts because thoughts live in this really weird indeterminate state. And if you, if you don't, give voice to them and, and give them shape, you can't really deal with them. And you can sometimes feel a little bit, um, crazed and a little bit pulled in multiple directions at the same time. That's Maybe I'm just truth. speaking to my own experience <laughs> here. No, I totally know what you mean. I think there's a lot of times, like I tend to compartmentalize, I think, stuff a lot. I'm just like pushing it back and pushing it back and pushing it back. Hmm. And then like one night it'll just like all come out and be like, oh, I should have just dealt with this while it was happening oh, instead yeah. of just like not wanting to. Yes. Yeah, yeah totally. I get that. <laughs> uh, um, you were from Florida. I am from Florida. I want to talk about Florida. <laughs> I was having a conversation with somebody just last night about Florida, and uh, it came great. up that Florida. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, probably. Yeah. It's kind of, it came up that Florida. It seems to be in the news now. I know that this is just a perception because of because of the way we get news now. Right. But Florida seems to be in the news for weirder reasons than almost any other state that you can think of more I, consistently. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I think that was when I was. Uh, growing up too it was like that there's just like insane people in florida yeah i mean i love my uh family and friends that are down there but it is like um i don't necessarily miss florida as a whole i just never felt like i fit in there yeah i feel like it's like um you have people who live in florida forever and then people who like move away what's the where in florida are you from St. Petersburg by Tampa. Okay. And and how would you describe it? A beach. Okay. So I grew up like uh, 10 minutes from the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are originally from New Jersey. And then they, they met when they were 14 and they got married when they were 18. Wow. And then they drove down uh, to Florida to live there. Um, and then they uh, uh, had me when they were like 35. Um, and then they just stayed. We like lived in New Jersey for two years, but I was like a kid. But uh, so the area that we lived in, so we've lived in like different parts of Florida, but I mainly grew up uh, in St. Petersburg, which was like 10 minutes from the beach. And it was like really sunny all the time, obviously. Same thing. Um, But uh, I don't know. The people are just kind of, it's like funny because they're just like not as, I feel like as accepting of everybody. I feel like there's a lot of really like, you can just feel judgment in the air. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times Um, the school system's a mess. Um, my mom was a teacher, though. She was a really great teacher. Mm-hmm. She was nominated for Teacher of the Year twice. Wow. Um, yeah, she was really great. She is really good. She doesn't teach anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to, like, a terrible middle school. And it was just, like, a lot of the times they would, like... And this is the same middle school that I went to. It was in the paper recently, and I think it was facing a bunch of, like, terrible charges because um, they just defend the bad kids, not the good kids. So there'd be like a lot of like fights and like other things. And they would always be like, like a girl slapped me in the face because I looked at her. And so the guidance counselor, this is like in sixth grade. And the guidance counselor was like, well, Devin, why did you look at her? You know, you shouldn't be looking at people and you shouldn't be doing this. And like, basically she has every right to slap you in the face. (laughs) I was like, what? So I don't know. 
I had not a, like a bully in high school, but like I, w- one time I was walking with Charlie Whitcroft and we were having a conversation and I have a bad habit when I'm, when I'm talking to people of not looking directly at them. I like look mm-hmm. around at everything. Same. Um, and, and so this guy was passing us and I happened to be looking at him while I was talking to Charlie. And then for the next like three months, he just made it his business to give me a pounding whenever he saw me and you know like the lesson I took from that was like okay don't look at people I know isn't, <laughs> that, isn't like... that crazy though it's like what a what an insecurity though for you like you just don't want people to look at you I think yeah right I mean like because everybody looks at everyone like I'm looking at Grant and Evan as I'm talking to you I yeah think. not because like I'm actually like oh my god I'm gonna just stare at Grant like just because like your eyes are moving and you're always taking everything in sure yeah so I feel like with people like that it's like well I don't know I I didn't get insecurity off this guy. I didn't get, I know that's that's why, that's why I don't call him a bully because I didn't, I didn't get like the bully vibe off of him. You know, the way that bullies are really like fighting off like like, their abusive fathers or whatever in the image of you. (laughs) I didn't get a bully. What I got from this guy was like recognizing of like, okay, I'm going to make a game out of, out of just terrorizing this guy now for the next three months until I get bored. It it felt much more like a, like a game on his part. Like he just saw an opportunity and saw an excuse to go. It was terrible. But I, I kind of did like take the lesson from it of like, yeah. oh yeah, watch where your eyes go. Be, right. be a little bit more like cognizant of that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Funny how that goes. It is funny. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Florida. Okay. <laughs> what is the particular like craziness? You said people are crazy. What is? The, I think they're the just crazy. I don't know. It's like um, I don't know. Like I went to. So I I've been all over. Like my college that I went to was in Deland, which is in between Daytona and Orlando. Okay. It's just like a lot of partying. Like um like Orlando is like where Disney is, so it's a lot of tourists. And then you go down to Miami and it's all beautiful. Like Florida is beautiful and it is wonderful to visit and I suggest everyone go and visit it. Um and uh but it's just like I think I don't know, I think for like what I wanna do and like it just wasn't like ready for that. Yeah. You know? What 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 is like improv and comedy and yeah. writing and stuff like that? There's no so so how did you, how early on did you know that you were attracted to the realm of the performing arts and writing uh, and stuff? Probably when I was like uh, three. Really? Yeah, my mom was really so. My mom used to um, my mom stayed home with me for the first five years. So when she would clean, she would show me movies all the time. So like I saw like Feather on the Roof and like <laughs> Wizard of Oz, and I would just like watch them. Um, and all the like little mermaid and stuff. So my mom took me to a children's theater, Mm -hmm. um, where like children were also, uh, singing. And I was like around three and I got away from her and I ran up on stage when Ursula was singing and sang like poor unfortunate souls with Ursula. And like, then they were like, Oh, you should get your daughter involved in like our theater, even though she was so rude and just got up on stage. Um, and so then I did that and then. From then on, it was just like I was always in stuff yeah. until about um, like uh, third grade. And then like middle school was just like I got really insecure, you know, so I didn't really want to be on stage. That's what middle school is for. <laughs> I know. Uh, but then I started to like, uh, then I got really into like SNL and Chris Farley mm-hmm. and I and Lucille Ball and um, started to watch them and be like, oh, I'm going to be funny because like funny is like where it's at. And mm-hmm. then in high school and college, I got right back into everything. And then I did a... After I graduated, I worked in a children's theater for a year, mm-hmm. but it was like a Monday through Friday, nine to five children's theater. So we would do like three or four shows a week or three or four shows a day and like travel around um, Florida, like a certain area. That's grueling. Yeah, it was insane, but it was really cool because I got to do a lot of character work that I hadn't really done before, you know, of just like she would have a script that she would write. Um, like we did Brenham Town Musicians, and it was like that one was my favorite one because I got to play three different characters all in the same show. And I think with Children's Theater, you get to play a lot more than sometimes you normally do because it's like you're, I think children are so like, <laughs> they know what's funny, you yeah. know what I mean? Like they're the hardest and the easiest people to make laugh. Yeah. Um, so you really have to like commit to it, but I got to play like an old rabbit woman and then I got to play a rat called fingers, the rat. So I got to do all these different voices. I'd be like, hey, I'm fingers, fingers, the rat. And I had like a top hat and then I got to play, what was the other one? It was the old woman, the rat. And then I think like a, a, a band member mm-hmm. that was just like, had to have a different voice. So it was like, that was sort of where, and then I actually started watching Britannic, Britannic, Britannic. Or them, Brian and Nick. They're, I don't know that. Yeah, they did UCB, and they created a channel. They did, like, the Academy Award-winning movie trailer. Okay. 
if you haven't seen it, watch it. Okay. It's so funny. And I just was like, became like, wanted to follow them and then started making videos and doing the children's theater and got really into like creating my own characters and like realizing that I could instead of like, um, sorry, excuse me, instead of doing um, like written work. Yeah. And then I like read about UCB and I've wanted to live in New York since I was like six. So I was like, I'm going to come up and take UCB classes. And then <laughs> Bimini Lee Wright, who I went to college with. Oh, no kidding. Yep. We, Fabulous house manager. I know. I love her. I love her. Um, yeah, we went to college together. Um, we both did theater. Yeah. Like, worked together. Um, she, she was already here, and so she took me. She knew that I was interested in improv, so she took me to a UCB like, class show, mm-hmm. and then she took me to Kiss Punch Poem, mm-hmm. and she was like, I think you should do the magnet. <laughs> and it's so kind I of took an unfair a, comparison. I know. It totally is. It totally is. And I always laugh when I tell people that, because it is such an unfair comparison. Because <laughs> yeah. Kiss Punch Poem was like the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, and I was like, what is this? This is amazing. And like a, like a class show is like... It's a class show. Yeah. It, yeah. I and mean, there was like four people in the audience. Yeah. It's not fair to make that judgment, no. call, but still, it's cool. Yeah, but then I did, and then I took the free improv with Rick, and then just, like, I was like, awesome, I'm going to do it, and then yeah. just, like, went, I was going to say balls to the wall. I mean, I said it. I don't know why I said it. I was Is that say an offensive it. thing to say? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to say balls, but then I said it again. Can I admit something? I'm yes. a little bit ashamed of this, but I've noticed that whenever I talk to women, I will ask them if it's okay that I like it, 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 as if you're representing like all right. women everywhere. I've noticed too, like I don't talk to men as if they're representing men, but when I talk to women, I'm like, can I say balls to the wall or is that like off the right. table? But I like that phrase because, and I, it, it is, yeah. I guess like a pejorative phase, but it also, yeah. it's like, well, you know what it, you know what I'm saying? You know what you mean? Yeah. It, it, yeah it's a way Oh, whatever. Yeah. I apologize to anybody. <laughs> I also apologize. Uh, but it's a good phrase. Yeah. I'm trying to cut um, out cursing from my, not that balls to the walls cursing, but I'm trying not to curse as much. Right. Um, specifically because my, I, I feel my brain like not accessing as many, as rich a vocabulary as I once had access to. And, and um, I believe that I, I have become so addicted to cursing all the time mm-hmm. that it's probably like soaking up what I mean to say. So I'm trying to cut it out to give my brain a fighting chance to yeah. speak neither here nor there. <laughs> I want to go back to the children's theater for a second. Yep. Cause I, I have spoken to, um, to a bunch of story pirates mm-hmm. who also say the same thing that, that the best and worst audience you can play for is for kids because yeah. they're so, uh, unencumbered by a desire to be polite or appreciative. Oh, they yeah. either love it or they hate it. And if they hate it, they have no problem of going like, I don't like your face. Right. Yeah. I'm just tearing you down completely as a person. <laughs> Which is kind of like, it's great training in, in the way of, well, actually it's a good way. Nobody's going to be meaner to you than a kid. Right. So it is kind of a good way, but you also can kind of brush it off because it's like, no, you're just well, a Well, you're a kid. kid. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it actually is kind of like a smart, I've never performed in front of kids. I'm terrified yeah. of kids. You should do it. Yeah. Well, that's actually not true. I've done short form in front oh, of kids okay. and, and that is amazing, but yeah. I've never done like children's theater. And it, yeah. my understanding is that in Chicago, I don't think this is true anymore, but you used to have to like start in children's theater before you were accepted to like the main stage at Second City. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I used to like Jim Carrey did, um, inside the actor studio and he used to say he thinks that everyone should have like a class in college where it was like a monologue class where you would learn this really intense hamlet monologue and then they would just throw tennis balls at you the entire time and i I feel like that's exactly what children's theater is like because you memorize and like you craft these great like i had fingers the rat and i was like really in love with him and then you know you get a kid through the whole time that's just yelling pizza yeah um, <laughs> it's like pizza, pizza, pizza. And it's like, you just have to roll with the punches and you can either include it or not include it and like decide. And you really have to like be ready to think on your feet yeah. and make sure you're still getting to the story for the like two kids that are really into it. And like, I don't know. I also think it's cool. Cause I used to watch children's theater and like, remember how like excited and like in awe I was of it. So I, I think I always thought about that when I was doing it too. Just like, you know, we're grownups getting on stage, you know, making fools of ourselves. Kids are going to look at that and be like, I can do that too. I, yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen a lot of theater in my grown up years, partly because the, the cost is just so prohibitive. <laughs> That's for sure. And partly because like you see enough like bad theater, there's a particular flavor to bad theater that is, is annoying. It, it like demands to be taken seriously. And you're like, Oh God. Right. 
This, I feel like it's the exact same emotion <clears throat> as the last totally different show I saw, but it's just kind of like, I get it. You're upset. You're yeah. depressed. I get it. Oh, and this yeah. is contemporary. I get it. There's no furniture. I get it. You oh, can okay. feel it. Yeah. And, and it's just like so goddamn bloodless and serious. <laughs> uh, this is obviously a grotesque exaggeration of like the handful of shows. But, but <clears throat> like, n- n- I have a very strong love of theater right. and I approach improv more theatrically than, than, than not, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I'm teaching and directing, that's how I look at it. But it kind of like all boils down to like those early experiences watching children's theater mm-hmm. and watching like crappy community productions or crappy school productions that actually ended up like burning their way into my brain way more than a lot of the professional productions I've seen, oh, yeah. which felt kind of like polished, but sort of, um, no, like life, no life. Yeah. No life. Whereas, like, I, I remember very distinctly, there was like a touring children's theater company that I saw a couple of times in elementary school. And they they did like the Legend of Sleepy Hollow and the Telltale Heart, and um, like three or four other like short stories that they would dramatize. And they had like uh-huh. minimal sets and minimal costume, but it just left such. There was such a sense of atmosphere to it, and I remember really feeling like I remember just the the color on the stage. They had colored lights, and there was mm-hmm. this great, and it felt like you were reading this short horror story and I remember like looking around at the kids who were like not impressed by it and yeah. feeling like these kids are idiots yeah. <laughs> they're missing out this is yeah. like it's like this is this is amazing yeah this is amazing and then like you see kind of like a clunky shitty like school productions that like in their good natured um ridiculous amateur quality like I'm, I'm in my junior high school we, we did a production of um like peter pan right where like every time they would go into a song they would just play it on tape it's pre-recorded they had the professionals singing on a pre-recorded tape and then everyone would just stand on stage while the tape is playing they like dance and then they turn the tape off and go back to doing their scenes and there was just something so kind of like unashamed about yeah. how like bad it looked that it actually it was like this is great this is like fun this is just a good time and everyone's trying their best and I love it. There's just like something about like theater at that age that it, it, it well, it's still, it's so like believable. Yeah. Like you're really into it. You don't know that it's like, there's a guy pulling strings like this in the back. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, you're so engrossed in it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yes. Yeah. When you see those companies doing that, it, 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 it is, it, it just, there's that kind of like magical thing of mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm ready to give myself over to believe in this other thing. I'm ready. I'm ready to kind of exercise the imaginary friend part of my brain. Right. And I would also make the argument for the other side of just like the raw, uh, uh, ugly amateur quality <laughs> of just like watching people do a crappy job, but like just give it their all yeah. with this crappy job. So I, one of my favorite things <clears throat> used to be watching on, on Staten Island community television. Sometimes they would broadcast um, like video footage of school plays. Right. And just watching the blocking on these plays was so funny to me. <laughs> the stilted, everyone's standing in a line, facing completely out to yeah. the audience. Nobody's looking at each other. People are incapable of moving their <laughs> arms. And it would just be so funny to me to watch it. It's like someone's like locked in the prison of their own body. Right. I just found it so charming. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, ah, oh, good for you for trying. <laughs> um, did you ever read uh, The Empty Space by Peter Brook? You know what? I haven't, but I have that book. Yeah. My dad bought that for me. Pretty good. Is it? Yeah, it's worth it. I will read it then. So I have it. It's very British, but it's worth right. it. Yeah. He 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 talked in one part about he was producing some some Shakespeare plays and um part of the production was when they felt like they were close to finishing it, they would take it to um an elementary school oh, and really? perform it just in a classroom. They wouldn't do it in the other time, they'd perform it in a classroom. Um uh, with minimal sets and props. They would just lay a carpet on the ground and the kids would sit around the carpet and whenever an actor was on the carpet, they would be in character and when they were off the carpet, they wouldn't be in character. Mm-hmm. And that would be like the last test to see if the kids were entertained and were following along, then they knew that they were ready for production. That's and awesome. if the kids couldn't follow it, they knew they just knew that this is the most honest feedback we're going to get from anybody. Right. Which I, it seems That's, like a really good idea. That is a really good idea. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. How could we do that? Uh, Just do improv shows until you get better. Well, yeah, (laughs) improv's pretty close. People are generally pretty polite. They don't necessarily heckle, but you also like, you know, whether or not people are enjoying it. You know what a polite laugh is. You do. Versus a real laugh. And you know what good quiet is versus bored quiet. Right. 
Um, so like, I, I feel like there's an equal, that's the thing that's so nice about comedy is like, you really can't fake it. No, you can't fake being funny. That's probably the single greatest thing about comedy is you yeah. can't fake being funny. Yeah, you can't at all. And, and you really can't fake enjoying something. You can try your best, but, but the brain tells the difference. Yeah. I read, <laughs> and I think that this is true, that um, one of the evolutionary advantages to having a sense of humor is that we seek out intelligent um, partners mm-hmm. to pass on more intelligent genes to be better adapted to evolving and changing environments. And uh, the very fact that you can't fake a sense of humor requires intelligence to be funny means that you kind of weed out the dummies <laughs> it's kind of great i, I yeah. like that it's just a theory yeah. but it seems like a pretty good theory yeah moving on <laughs> um one last thing i'll say about children's theater too <laughs> uh um I, I was just talking to charlie nicholson yeah. earlier and we were talking about rupaul's drag race because we both have a shared uh, love for that show mm-hmm. And uh, one of the challenges that they have to do on that show sometimes, if you've never seen it, have you seen it? I, it, I they do challenges to win. They do right? challenges to okay. win. Okay, it's like America's Next Top Model. But yes, like something like that. Okay. Yeah, and then the winner wins a hundred thousand dollars and oh. and like a lifetime lifetime okay. supply of makeup and stuff. It's uh-huh. it's a cool show. Yeah. Um, but one of the challenges is they have to do like different um, like soap operas or 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 there's one challenge where. They'll have to do like a courtroom scene from a soap opera. Oh, where right. Like use, the acting week? Yes. Okay. And they all have to play every character in it. So you have to like pick a costume and, uh, uh, and, and like articulate three different characters right. and, and make them really feel uh, uh, unique and, and give them all a personality. And, and actually, I, I have learned as much about acting just from watching RuPaul's oh, yeah? Drag Race as I have from... <laughs> from several of the acting classes I've taken just by watching the people who succeed at that challenge Mm -hmm. and the people who don't succeed at that challenge and seeing the different choices that they make. And it kind of strikes me that children's theater is a wonderful place to learn to make choices like that because, because you can be broad and hone in on, on the identifiable thing that makes a character really yeah, well, it's all compelling. about characters, yeah. I think, because like the story is always super simple. It's yeah. like the way that you like embody it. I think, I think that really, um, I, I, I am so grateful that I got to do it for so long. I don't think I would ever do it again because it's exhausting mm-hmm. and it is very hard. But like, it's that was like the year that I decided, like, I'm gonna move up and I'm gonna do improv and I'm gonna work on sketches because I love creating characters. Can you give me a little bit more of the voice of Rat Fingers? Yeah, so it's like he was like, huh, you see. It was like, and I can't do it because I'm laughing, but it was like, ah, you see, what do you got here, huh? I'm Fingers, Fingers the Rat. But I had these gigantic, like, mouse hands on and, like, a suit, and I was like, hi, how you doing? Because he would come out, and I'd be, like, the villain of the show. Right, he's, like, a 1930s thug. Yeah, and he had, like, a thing, and I was like, ah, you see, the Brenham Town, there it is. It's like, the Brenham Town musicians think they're going to come in and take over. And I'm not gonna let them. And then I stole all their instruments, like while they were playing them, you know. Yeah. Um, but I had these like big hands. It was it was a lot of fun. You ever notice how 1930s thugs always want to make sure that you see their point? Yeah. <laughs> always. Yeah, yeah. You see, here's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. they always want to tell you right away. God bless them. <laughs> um. Uh. So you came to New York to pursue a life of character creating and and comedy. Were you like yeah. familiar with improv when you came up, or was that something that you discovered? Um. Bimini and I actually were in a show called Comedia dell'arte, mm-hmm. which is like um, improv based, and well, it is improv. But uh, our show ended up not being improv. We kind of like created the characters, and then like had a routine. Bimini was actually my mother, and I was like, she kept trying to not let me eat, and all I wanted to do was eat, and so. That was a lot of fun. But um, that was my first experience with improv. Mm-hmm. And we, like, brought someone in to, like, teach us, like, I think short-form games. But I didn't really have any experience in long-form. Um, so that was a lot of fun, like, learning. I remember in level one uh, with Rick, it was, like, a lot of fun being like, oh, my God, this is, wait, we're going to be on stage for two minutes. We're going to mm-hmm. do a two-minute scene, like, beginning, middle, and end. And, like, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And now it's like, I feel like a lot of the times now, it's like if I don't have 45 minutes, I'm like, I didn't get to enough. I love creating and like making a world. Yeah. I, yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I do, I do, I do my show with Rick on, on Sundays. Right. You know? And that is just like conditioned the worst habits of me because now I'm so used to just 
playing for an hour, which yeah. don't get me wrong. I know I'm the luckiest boy <laughs> oh. in the world. Yeah. Um, but now I'm so used to it that I can easily spend five minutes pantomiming tying a tie. Like, <laughs> right. So you got all, I got all day. I got, uh, it's uh, like, what? The show's <laughs> over. I didn't even get to explain where I'm going with my tie. I was just doing a good tie work. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the hardest thing for me is to do like 15 minute shows now. Cause I'm like, I, this is not, what am I supposed to do in 15 minutes? 15 minutes is not a, an ideal time. Really? Yeah. It, it uh, less than 15 minutes is fine. If you have like a 10 minute show, you can just do yeah. one scene. And a 30-minute show is great. Yeah. And an hour show is is great once you get the hang of it. Right. But a 15-minute show is like it, 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 you're in this like weird in-between place. Right. right. Like when you do like a festival and they give you like 15 minutes at 5 o'clock in the morning, it's like this <laughs> sucks, man. Yeah. And they block you out at 12 minutes. You're like, why? God damn it. <laughs> right. Right. I three right. more. <laughs> um, um, I, I'm curious about a couple of things. Sure. First, like uh, I'm curious – Coming up here specifically to think about theater and comedy and and, mm-hmm. and to pursue sketch and to find long form and 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 now kind of walk the dual roads of of both doing long form. You play on Megawatt with Heartbeat. Yes. You are with the cast on Saturday, which we'll yes. talk about in a few moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, also you are on with um, Student, Student Council. Council. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious. Just about like the different. Do you find yourself wearing different hats? Do you find yourself using different approaches or is it all of kind of one happy family or is there like a different Devin O'Neill when it gets time to perform sketch comedy or write sketch comedy Um, versus the Devin O'Neill when you are improvising comedy? I think there's a different Devin O'Neill for everyone. No, um, there's definitely, uh, I do think it's a a little different. I think I I do approach it differently. I think with Megawatt, you know, you've got 30 minutes you're doing, we're doing a, like a montage type thing. Uh, like with group games though. Um, so it's like, it's a lot different than like the cast form that I think, you know, becomes like you have a genre and you have like backstage on stage and mono scenes. And then with sketch, um, I'm an actor on that. And so it's like, then you're taking someone else's work and like trying to make it, uh, like as good as you can and like getting to that character work from children's theater is really helpful. Oh yeah. I did. Yeah. I love student council. It's so much fun. Um, we have such, we have such a great uh, group of people. I really like um but yeah I, I think it's totally different honestly which is like and it's funny because I also host Inspirato with Suli on Thursdays mm-hmm. and that's totally different too because you know you're being yourself yeah um which is always uncomfortable because you're like I don't I don't know who I am just it's actually, you have to practice speaking yeah. in the character of you yeah. And, yeah and 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 most people don't think of it that way but you you, you kind of do right good hosting is a really really valuable skill Yes. And and you do it and I'm I'm guilty. <laughs> I'm about to I have a, a Harold Clark show tonight. Oh yeah. And yeah, I yeah. did not I promised myself I was gonna actually have them practice hosting shows during the class and then I never got around uh, to it because I'm horrible at managing time. <laughs> so I'm kicking myself for it. But it is something it's not enough to just three minutes before a show say, Oh, Devin, you're hosting tonight. Right. You actually have to learn how you to get into the mindset. Because you gotta yeah. I mean like you're Getting the crowd ready for like what's going to come. Yes, you you are communicating everything they need to know to understand and enjoy the performance. You're also reassuring them. You're also charming them with your energy. Right. Uh, um, in a in a worst case scenario, you're there to kind of um, uh, uh, reset the energy if mm-hmm. you need to. It's a it's a skill and a talent, and yeah. it's a different and it's a it's a kind of performance too. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh no, but yeah, I I, I do think. I do. I don't know if I'm like a different Devin. I'm probably like the same rambly, over talky, loud person that I always am in all of the things that I do. But I think um, I definitely approach them differently, um, uh, just because I think yeah, I have to. Otherwise, like because again, like just time wise, you know what I mean. Like with uh, Megawatt, you have thirty minutes with the cast. You know, sometimes we have fifty minutes to sixty minutes. Yeah. Um, and you know, with the cast, I'm probably going to play. Uh, two versions of one person for the whole show. And then with Megawatt, I'm probably going to play multiple different characters. And then with Sketch, I'm going to have like a specific written lines that I need to make sure I memorize and have some emotion to. Um, it's a lot of fun, though. <laughs> um, but it is, uh, it is like, I think, different for each one. Where's your head at before a show? Um, I think it depends. So I have a full-time job as well as an um, admin at an advertising agency. And I've taken on a lot more responsibility with that work for their creative partners. So it's like, if I, I think it depends on when the show is, honestly. Uh, like if the show's on Wednesday, sometimes it's like, I'm like still figuring out this. And then I think like right before I get on, I think I'm just like, 
Yay. I think I get, like, I, I really love performing. It's, like, one of my favorite things. Um, I love being on stage and, like, making people laugh or just get excited or feel sort of some, some sort of emotion. Mm. So I think immediately it's excited, and then as soon as I walk out, it's, like, ner- nervous, you know, and you get that, like, uh, stomach feeling. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, uh. I think because I think my, I think my biggest problem is, like, um, before a show I'm probably thinking of, like, 400 other things. And then, like, once those lights go down and then come up, it's like, I'm like, okay, here I am. Mm-hmm. I think being on stage is the only time that I'm actually focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the time I'm just, like, in five different places. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the kind of addicting things about being on stage. Oh, yeah. For, for people who, who, who don't have, like, acting as a, mm-hmm. as a career ambition, but who are still addicted to improv, I wouldn't be surprised if a major part of that is that experience of you get out there and suddenly you're your focus oh yeah well you have to be and it's like and it's so it's so much fun you know what i mean it's like you i i think like i always say like rick said this uh one time and it helped me so much with second beats because it was like you know i was like i think i was big sibbing one of his classes and he was like you know people were like you know because second beats are so like nerve-wracking and you're like i want to make sure i make the right choice and he's like just be on the sidelines enjoying that first beat like Mm -hmm. don't care don't think about a second beat just enjoy it and uh, laugh at it and find the funny in it. And it was like, for some reason that, I was just like, oh my God, you're right. And yeah. like made a breakthrough for me. I'm just like, now I think on the sidelines, I'm just like enjoying it, which also takes a specific amount of focus, I think to actually like, because a lot of times I feel like you'll be watching a show and you're like, oh, I'm like watching it, but I'm not like invested at all because I'm thinking about four different things. Yeah. But on stage, I think I try to be like, okay, this is awesome. This is great. I love this. Yes. There's a different kind of fear in your head when you're when you're between beats. Like mm-hmm. when you haven't come out for a first beat at, in a Harold, there's a particular kind of fear just about like, geez, I hope I come up with something. <laughs> I, hope, I hope this catches. Right. And then if you're lucky enough to be in a scene that catches, yeah. Um, and luck shouldn't have anything to do with it because <laughs> they're concrete skills that you can use in order to lay a good enough foundation, but. Yeah. Then you get back to the sideline and there's a totally different kind of fear, which is, um, geez, now there's a right answer. Yeah. And and that can totally psych you out and make you overthink it. And yeah. there is like, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in Rick's advice on that. Because like, if you can just kind of enjoy what you already created and let the, the, the trace elements of that character and that point of view and that relationship stay with you, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to just step out anyway yeah. and find yourself having a... Right. Wonderful You're just going to follow do. your feet because your feet, I always say like my feet know better than my brain yeah. a lot of the times. Like my feet will just start walking. Multiple times I've been in a show and been like, why am I on stage right now? Yeah. And then like thought of something to say. But because I think I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm the greatest initiator. Yeah. I think I'm a much better like reactor and oh. responder to what's like thrown at me, which is why like I love Heartbeat because uh, Heartbeat's great because there's so many like great, like intelligent, like initiators on that team that like will give you something so juicy in the beginning that I can just like respond to and I'll yeah. be like great now I totally know where we are and what I'm gonna do yeah um uh yeah I, I'm the same way I'm a much better second person or scene than first mm-hmm. person I'm not a great I'm not an I I, I heard Joe Bill talk about this and mm-hmm. uh, uh it, the difference between innovative thinking and adaptive thinking right I'm a more adaptive thinker yeah. I'm better at recognizing what's in front of me and then being able to figure out a way to use it rather than coming up with something wholesale. Yes, so it's a delight when you play with people who, who have ideas. Yeah. Well, it is hard. It does feel like for some reason, like initiating to me, it's just like, I'm it. And I, I need, it's like one of those things where you're like, I know as an improviser, I need to get better at this. But I think cause like I can initiate with like a noise or like a body position, but I'm like, that's not really initiating in like the way that like, I'm going to help this person figure out. It's initiating for you. Yeah. It's initiating for myself. And it puts you in a place where you can begin to create and you can find yeah. it, but it does not necessarily communicate to the people around you how right. they can be part. It's not inclusive. Exactly. It's like me being like, I'm going to do this because yes. I don't know what to do. Cause it is, I, I think it's, it's like funny. I think I can. I can create stuff once I'm given something, you know, but I think sometimes pulling things out of thin air is like, it gets me very much in my head. And then I'm like, gotta make sure this all makes sense. Yeah. I'm trying to get better at that myself too. Um, because you can overdo it the other way too. There, there are people who are wonderful and exquisite verbal Mm -hmm. uh, uh, initiators and they can, in one initiation really create the entire context of the scene. Um, but the way that they do it, the tone of their voice, it makes all the difference between having somebody else feel included in part of that versus somebody who feels kind of 
pushed into doing the scene that they right. don't want to do. It's like over controlled. Yeah. It, it, it so much of it is finding that like graceful way to make whatever you're doing, whether it's a premise mm-hmm. or whether it's just like a simple character choice for yourself to, to also have that feeling of inclusiveness to it, that another person feels welcome and invited to be with you. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to get better with that. I, I think it has to do with just like having an idea in mind for like yeah. relationship as well or, 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 yeah. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, because I have issues with suggestions a lot of the time sometimes because I'll get the suggestion and then it immediately it either disappears mm-hmm. um, and I'm just like, I don't even remember what it was or I A to Z it in such a way that you don't even know how I got there. Mm-hmm. And so then I always feel like, I know like the cast we were, we were playing around with um, <laughs> because we had realized we'd been getting titles of things but then not really like... Uh, uh, saying the title ever again. Yeah. And so I remember we did a show for a, a high school last week. I don't know why I said I remember it. It was just last week. No, technically you do remember <laughs> I mean, it. I'm technically remembering it. Yeah. And uh, we were like, we were all backstage and we were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to be true to the title and we're going to say the title again. And it's going to be great. And the title was uh, the creation of a wildebeest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then it's just like, okay, well we're going to stick to this thing that we're going to do. And it was a lot of fun, yeah. but it is like, um, I think my point, see what I'm saying? It's like I ramble. Yeah, I, I lost track of this. Like, I know, what was my point? I think I my, know. oh, suggestions. <laughs> and, and yeah, um, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the idea, oh, here we go. Going into a scene with an idea and like relationships. Yeah. I think sometimes I go in blank because I think I used to go in so with so much stuff in my head that I sort of was like oh Devin start going in blank start going blank and now it's like you know you go one way and then you go too far that way yes and so a lot of times I get like mad at myself because I'm like well you have nothing in your head you've got to come out with something to help and like contribute you know I've been uh, looking at this in classes recently too of of like addressing how much should you plan ahead Mm -hmm. and 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 being honest about the fact that like you actually should in certain parts of the show you should plan ahead you shouldn't just come out totally empty um and i think that that for people who struggle with with coming up with ideas for scenes Mm -hmm. it's worth practicing planning off a suggestion but planning okay not what is going to happen in the scene or where it's going to go what is my purpose for being in this scene right i think you should plan just that much and if you're able to communicate kind of the what of the scene, but know your purpose, know why your character is here right now, mm-hmm. that's probably a pretty good, you have a good fighting chance of, of finding something tight with your partner later on. Yeah. Because you can totally like overcomplicate to, to a crazy degree oh, yeah. and come on out with this really elaborate premise that you neither believe, it doesn't really leave room for another person to respond. And now once you got it out, you're like, now what do I do? <laughs> yeah. All right, now someone swipe the stage because yeah. I've come out and set a line. Or, yeah. or I have to just start like emoting now or something <laughs> right. like that. Like, uh, that sucks. I, um, you know, going back to, to Rick's advice about um, second beats, I stole an exercise from Mick Napier's new book that I've been doing a lot recently, which is just blind um, freeze tag. Oh. You everybody sit in a circle, a giant mm-hmm. circle, and they all have their eyes closed except for two people who get up and improvise a scene. Mm-hmm. And then somebody in the circle, when the scene feels complete, claps their hands, calls freeze, open their eyes, and then tag one person out. Oh. So you're calling the edit uh, uh, when the scene dictates it, yeah. not when you see something that you can tag into. And the, the kind of biggest takeaway from the game is even when people have no idea what they're about to do, the scene that follows is always fine. Right. And, and there's kind of like an interesting lesson about that, which is like you're on the sideline and you sort of feel like, geez, I have nothing in my head. Mm-hmm. I can't step out with that. And this game is like a really great illustration of like, eh, not true. It just yeah. feels that way. Yeah. But actually like stepping into something specific, you can justify it and figure it out in like a moment. Right. And, and, and what's so cool about that is the, the, the caliber of scenes in blind freeze tag are, are at least as good as the scenes you would see in regular freeze tag. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It, there is no difference in quality to the scenes yeah. when people have the moment to plan what they're going to do versus when they just, get out there and do something i think it like your body is is so much so much more important than i think people give it credit for on Mm -hmm. stage because like changing anything like the way you sit or the way your hands are immediately is going to give you some sort of voice or some sort of like feeling yeah so um yes i agree with what you said you were i forget where i read this but um 
your body is your unconscious. We talk about our unconscious mm. like it's some kind of like magical place in our brain, but right. like your body is your unconscious. Your your body your body is the is a, a gigantic sense organ or, or like an inter interrelated series mm-hmm. of sense organs that not only perceive but also store remembered knowledge. And when you use your body more, you just have access to ideas yeah. that catch you by surprise. It, and it really is true that like your feet have ideas that your brain doesn't have. Yeah. They they come up with stuff that's like really wonderful that your brain wouldn't think of in a million years because your brain doesn't necessarily speak foot talk. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I'm like in real life I have no uh, no control over my body. Like today I tripped up the stairs and spilled coffee on someone. Yeah. Which was very upsetting. I felt that's really bad. It's not supposed to happen. It's what's not supposed to happen. Like I just run into everything. I'm just like, but for some reason when I get on stage, it's like all of a sudden there's like a just like a string and like everything's all of a sudden connected and yeah. then like I am able to like maneuver what like everything you just said you know which feels really good and then i get off stage and i fall down yeah i think it's like heightened listen thing yeah that heightened listening that Mm -hmm. that that sense of focus right that addictive quality of feeling like there's a harmony among all the different parts of your of your makeup when you're up there right because it is heightened and because it matters i think that's the thing is like because real life is just open-ended it just keeps on flowing no Mm -hmm. matter what yeah and it's so ambiguous, you never know exactly. There's no, like, frame around real life to let you know what's important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so you get on stage and you know, that, you know that we're showing this for a reason. What we're about to watch matters. This is an important enough moment or, or interaction between these people that we want to share it with an audience. Right. And the thing that's so exciting about improv is you go into it not knowing what that moment's going to be, mm-hmm. but you can hold on to the assumption that that whatever it is, it's going to matter, which I, I think is kind of the secret to, to good improv is just developing that habit of always being in the frame of mind that what we're what we're doing yeah, matters. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you a sense of focus. It, it means that nothing becomes wasted and suddenly your body becomes more coordinated. Your mind is quieter. Your senses are, are more alert, more sensitive. Right. Well, and I think it helps you be more committed to everything. I mean, totally. like, because it matters. So I'm committing to this. We got, uh, when they casted the show for the high school kids, we did like a Q&A afterwards. And we were talking about like, what do they think the hardest thing or like the thing you should focus on in improv? And I, I said like commitment. I think commitment is so important when you get on stage, yeah. like committing to the character and the choice you're making and the choice your partner's making to like try to create something. Yeah. What do you do after a bad show? Depends on how bad. If it's really bad, I probably cry <laughs> like a baby. Um, if it's really bad and I feel, I feel like, you know, you go in and out. Don't I know? You I think, well, my advice to that would be don't cry because <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Smile because it happened. <laughs> I know. It's like, see, I don't. <laughs> Uh, that's why I call my dad and he says that to me. Sorry, I had okay, to, right? Yeah. No, that was good. You had to. That was good. Good callback. Um, I, I, I think if it's really bad and I feel like I've been on like a loop of bad shows, then probably I, I will probably cry. I think if it's a great show, it's like then I want to like, uh, I think I want to talk about it with everybody who's in the show for like as long as I can to like, because I love that like, um, I love that feeling that you get after a good show. After a bad show, it's, I don't know. I cry or I just go home or I just go, okay. It depends on what are the stakes, who was in the audience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely cried after shows Yeah, and been like, I can't ever do improv again. <laughs> I do my version of crying after shows. I, I sulk and I'm angry at everybody. <laughs> yeah. How yeah. I cry. I'm crying on the inside. I think it's also, I go through phases sometimes where I'm like, it wasn't my fault. No, it was my fault. And now I'm mad at myself. Now I'm, now I'm mad at everybody. And yeah. now it's like, it's like, well, it's just a show. I, someone said this to me once where it's just like, you know, you can never, they're, they're like the best and worst thing about improv is that like, the best thing is that you never have to do that bad show again, right? The worst thing is that you never get to do that great show again because yeah. it's like always made up on the spot. So um, I really like that. And sometimes I always try to remind myself that and be like, I'm never going to do that show again. Like if that didn't work, it happened and it's there and then it's gone. Yeah. Um, so I try to talk. So that's when I talk to myself on the subway and calm myself down. That's where you need an imaginary friend. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, um... Oh, that came full circle very nicely. I know. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the cast for a moment. Okay. Since this show is hot, oh, the show is is ninety eight degrees. You remember the you remember you remember the, the band, band ninety eight degrees? degrees. Well, forget them because the cast is now taking that title. Ninety eight degrees, hot. 
I mean, hot. People love it. Uh, um, uh, and Jerry Cole and I spoke recently yeah. about it and, right. and, and uh, uh, came to our own conclusions about it. Um, assuming that you enjoy doing the show, and why wouldn't I assume right. that? What, what is it about the show that makes it special, in your opinion? Oh, what makes it special? So much. I think, I don't know, I, I do think, I do want to say this, even though this is like, it's a part of the question. I, I do think Hannah Chase is so amazing, and I just want to say that out loud. But. but no, 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 no buts, no. It did sound like I was going to say that. But she made a horrible decision. <laughs> this, was, this was a terrible show. Um, no, I just think, you know, she's so great at, like, seeing people the way that I think nobody else sees them or like seeing the, or like having the ability to like take a cast, like what the cast is. I think when you look at the cast individually, we're all so good at different things and we all bring something else to the table. And at the same time, we all work together in such like a beautiful way, I think. And I remember Justin uh, Torres said to me one day, he's like, it's amazing when I see the cast and you guys just get on the same page immediately. And I feel like that happened the first time we did the the community theater director series mm. um, when we were, uh, yeah, the community theater was the first show we ever did as the cast. And it was just like, we just got on the same page. And I, I think um, that's what I think is something, but I think it's because it's Hannah Chase created something spectacular. You know, it's a show where you can do something so serious where we did like a show with only four of us. And it was like, we did this very dramatic like play that actually was like at beginning, middle end and went really good. And then the next day we can do like a pro wrestling one where yeah. it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And we're learning how to pro wrestle and it's nuts. Um, so I think those are the things that are, I, I just like, I always want to thank Hannah every time. Like uh, we, after a show, it's always just like, thank you for creating something like this because it is so weird and so amazing to be able to do like one to to be able to do, we're doing two mono scenes simultaneously, you know, and like that are in real time. And then we're doing a character on top of a character, which I think is awesome. And, and then we're trying to do two plays, you know, like the play backstage and the play on stage. And then the cast is just amazing. It's so funny to say the cast because it's called the cast. Yeah, it's an annoying title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it goes back to the, what you're saying about commitment too, is like mm-hmm. it, you're not only committing to two very different things within the show, both with your character choices and also with with maintaining those choices over the whole thing. But every week you're asked to commit very hard to, to wildly oh, different yeah. things too, which is kind of invigorating. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it it is. It's like it's never the cast, I, I don't think, can ever get old because yeah. it's always every Friday when we meet, which we'll, we'll meet today because um, we're doing a movie musical, which will be exciting. Um, but it's like every week we get to learn. Like I feel like I've learned so much like um, – just like the pro wrestling one where Nick came in and taught us how to pro wrestle. It's like, I used that, I think in the next megawatt show. Cause it was like such a fun skill yeah, yeah. and like a thing to do. And then like even learning about David Lynch and like trying to put a piece together over that or like musicals or, um, when we did like dance shows and stuff like that, it is just amazing. Cause I think what's so great about the cast too, is that it's never like we're doing like a jokey version. Like we're going to put on a dance show and we're going to make fun of it. Like, I think we really try to do a dance show yeah. and like really try to be like, this is what we're doing. Um, which I think is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh y- y- yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad that you pointed out that you have to like learn new things to do the show as well, because that's the other, that's the other kind of great thing of like, I have found, uh, as well that like your improv becomes enhanced by just knowing more stuff mm-hmm. that is not improv. It, it finds its way into your show and then you're surprised and delighted and everybody's happy. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, uh, well, you guys are, are actually like turning into like an actual repertory company it, ah, because like yeah. d- different teams will find their voices over time. If you stick with the team long enough, you, you, you find right. like a voice together mm-hmm. and that voice can be both a blessing and a trap <laughs> because then you can become sort of addicted to only doing the thing that you do so well and you can kind of stop taking chances. Right. But then the thing that you do really well, you can do really well. Right. And it's interesting because the cast is a show in which you're finding a collective voice while constantly pushing yourselves to have to commit to different things. Yeah. And so you are kind of developing in the way that like a repertory develops. You're kind of like uh, um, uh, uh, 
growing into the roles as necessary that you're all capable of playing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Sometimes I think about it and I'm like, you know, walking to the theater to get ready for it. And I'm like, I can't believe like tonight we're going to do a show called Valentine's Day Massacre, get covered in blood and then have a proposal. Yeah. I mean, that's insane. And it's all going to be improvised. Yeah. Um, hi. It's Ed Herbsman. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're, now we're talking about him. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I think it is, It it's such a, I'm, I'm so lucky to be a part of it. And yeah. I'm so glad that, um, I'm so excited we get to do it every Saturday. Because yeah. um, I think it is such a fun, and we do have like, I think what's great is that we have so many people who come to the show every week that are just like wonderful. And they just like, are. It, it's like excited because, I, we're just as excited as them to like do the new genre, yeah. you know, um, like the star Wars one was super fun. Like they're all just super fun. Yeah. It's just great. It's like, I think it reinvigorates me, you know, when I get down about improv or like think that I'm not doing so well, like with this show, it's like, you know, because you're doing something totally different and new, it's like always constantly, um, making me feel like I'm a brand new improviser every Saturday, Yeah, which is really cool. I really like it a lot. I'm going to really miss Kate. Kate Koch is moving, Kate moving, moving to Los Angeles. I know. We're doing a roast for her. An improvised roast for her next Saturday. What date? What's next Saturday? Today? I have no idea. Evan, do you know what it is? Great. What is it? It's the 26th. The 26th. Thank you, Grant. Thanks, it's Grant. the 26th. I'm sorry. March 26th, uh, 2016 is, is Kate's goodbye. Kate Koch roast. Yes. It's going to be It's going to be great. Yeah. We're really excited about it. We're you probably all going to cry. Yeah. She'll be back. Yeah, uh, LA is going to run out of room soon. <laughs> There's only so much property in LA, really, uh, unless you start building more skyscrapers. And, and my understanding is they don't want that because that's just a copy of New York. Right, right, right. Real quick, you mentioned Justin Torres before. Oh, yeah. So Justin Torres, uh, at least uh, 18 times a week, posts on Facebook about how mm-hmm. grateful he is for your friendship. And then you respond by posting about how grateful you are for your friendship. Um, stop that. It's annoying. <laughs> Sorry. Both of you, cut it out. Um, I think, well, he came on this show. I listened to his podcast and he said something that I thought was so great of just like, what did he say? It was just like about enjoying, like uh, being like, I'm grateful for this because I know, like, just like my quote, like it could end, but yeah. it's happening and I'm grateful for it. And I, lo- I love when he does that. And like, he got me into it. Um because I think heartbeats just full of a lot of love. <laughs> just like, we love you. No, no, we love you. No, I love you. I love you. Um, uh, so I like them. I won't stop them. Okay. Um, he does them. He does them. I think more than I do. Yeah. But you've got, he does once a day. I got yeah. into it cause he got me into it. Cause he's right. I, th- I think I listened to the podcast and I was like, I think I wrote a comment about the podcast and I was like, yeah. Justin's right. Yeah. Cause it is, it is nice to like, I think sometimes, especially in New York, you know, uh, you don't, I don't think people, like compliments. I love complimenting people because I don't think people compliment each other anymore. Yeah. I think that sucks because it's like always nice to hear that you look good. And I think the grateful thing, it's like it's always nice to hear that like people like you and like are enjoying their time with you. Well, on behalf of the Magna community, <laughs> cut it out, please. Okay. No, that's quite, I, I, that's quite, yeah, that's a very beautiful thing. And I just hide, agree. just hide the posts. I did. I just unfriended both of you. <laughs> Can't, can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> Devin O'Neill, it's been a pleasure talking <laughs> to you. So Thank you so much for having me. And you can see Devin every Wednesday night with Heartbeat as mm-hmm. part of Megawatt. And you can also see her every Saturday night at 1030 with the cast. And you can also see her perform with uh, uh, student, council. student Council, which is uh, uh, how many Mondays a month are we perform Student Council? Three, three Mondays month. a month? Three Mondays a month. Yeah. Uh, we're, night, we're up. Not this coming Monday, but the next Monday. Beautiful. Which is... Which uh, is a date. A date, which doesn't make a difference. It's so vague. <laughs> and also, this uh, podcast is going up after that time, so you will not... That's That will be in your past. <laughs> okay. I'm speaking to you now from your own past. How exciting is that? That is really cool, actually. Yeah. I'm I bet a, the show was great. I bet. I bet it was. <laughs> oh, boy. Everyone, call up Devin right now and tell her how much the show was great. 
Devin O'Neill, thank you for talking. Thank you so much, Lewis. And thank you for listening, friends. This has been the Magnet Theater Podcast. I am Lewis Kornfeld. Many special thanks, including, but not limited to, our producer, Evan Ford Barden, our engineer, Grant Michael Goldberg, our executive producer, Ed Herpsman, Armando Diaz, uh, Amy Morrison, uh, 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 Charlie and Patrick and Zoe and all the fine people here at the training center and all you good fine people for listening to the podcast. We sure hope that you're enjoying it. If you are enjoying it, please go on to iTunes, give us a positive review. They are appreciated. Uh, if not, that's cool. You know, it's, you live your life, uh, uh, but but be nice about stuff and compliment somebody because it will make their day. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, Devin. Yeah, thank you. Bye, friends. Bye. <laughs> Bye. You've been listening to the Magnet Podcast. That's cool. There's a special effect using audio. (laughs) This podcast has been brought to you by the Magnet Training Center, where we teach classes in improvisation, sketch writing, musical improv, storytelling, and more. If you're interested in checking us out, we offer free weekly intro to improv classes. You can find out more about those free intro classes and all other classes we offer at magnettheater.com. Our podcast is available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and give us a positive rating. We appreciate the support. Also, be sure to check out the Magnet Theater for top-notch comedy shows seven nights a week. All information regarding classes and shows can be found at magnettheater.com.